Welcome to the Debbie Big Board, part of the Rookie Big Board Network. I'm your host, Skip Newton, and with me is my co-host, Matt Cooper. Matt, it is November 1st, so Halloween is in the rearview mirror, but I got to ask a pivotal question, both in the future of our podcast and our friendship. <laughs> Candy corn, where do you stand? Not a fan. Excellent. Oh, there Not we go. Phew. Do Dodged a bullet like, there. <laughs> I think my wife likes candy corn. She's one of the few, I think. But my son does too. He thinks it's just awesome. I'm like, dude, this is maybe like one of your top three flaws. Like, come on. <laughs> I went to lunch the other day at this place that had a pizza buffet, which I love. And so pizza buffets usually have some dessert pizzas out. And there was a pizza with candy corn on it. I was like, oh, oh hard. Oh, no, thank you. That is just wrong on so many levels. <laughs> no, oh, it's not I... like it had like tomato sauce. Okay. Like it was like a dessert pizza. Right. But still, I mean, there were, there were other better options, but I was like, no, thank you on the candy corn pizza. Yeah. You can, you can dress up a pig into a tuxedo. It's still a pig. <laughs> man. It just doesn't, doesn't work that way. All right. On today's show, we are going to be doing a lot of what we did last week, discussing Debbie and Dynasty players as well as some trades. So let's talk about that. But first, I do want to get into the discussion on the rookie big board and the ridiculous value of becoming a big board patron. Patrons have access to the Dynasty plus Debbie Big Board and Consensus Crew rankings, the 2024 rookie big board, 2023 seasonal projections, and full access to the RBB Discord. You can join our growing community at patreon.com slash rookiebigboard for just $5 a month or save 15% with an annual subscription. That is cheaper than the ticket that I used to go to the Tool concert last evening. For any Tool fans out there, that is a must-see concert. They are amazing. In fact, you could get three years of the Discord for what I paid for that tool concert i would gladly <laughs> pay it again most of the anyway, people listening right now are like who's tool oh man love tool they're so amazing <laughs> you can now try the rookie big board for free click the link in the episode description to join the free version of our discord get trade help roster advice and chop it up with our community of over 250 fantasy football sickos and the trade talk channel is one that is hopping every day we'll get to that more later but first let's just talk about some of these players starting on the college side quarterback Carson Beck at Georgia he's starting to get some buzz where do you stand on Beck yeah so Matt Hicks talked about him on his show as well and I pretty much agree with everything that Matt said <clears throat> I think um, we're just so used to writing off Georgia quarterbacks that I think most people haven't even paid him a lick of attention but um when I was cutting up Georgia film for the Dynasty Nerds film room and I was cutting up, you know, mainly to get Brock Bowers, right? But um, when you're cutting through the game, like you're, you're watching it on the All-22 and it's just every time that I've cut a Georgia game, I've been like, wow, Carson Beck, like he throws a really pretty football. He's your typical pocket passing quarterback, not a lot of mobility, but he stands tall in the pocket. He does good uh at just having an internal clock to know when to get the ball out he's got a great touchdown to interception ratio this year showing he's making good decisions 
got a nice touch on his ball, throws some a really nice back shoulder pass, and he looks much better to me than Stetson Bennett ever did in a Georgia uniform. I think he's unlocked an element to that offense because they're used to having like these superstar running backs and no disrespect to Dejon Edwards, but um, they were expecting to have Branson Robinson this year. They, they didn't. And so they're throwing the ball more than they have in years past. And Carson Beck looks really good doing it. So I, I think, I don't know where he'll go in terms of NFL draft buzz, but he looks, he looks really sharp to me. Yeah, right now Hicks has him as a early day three pick. So, you know, right in the 103 to 176 range. And I think that's going to really determine how people, you know, view back. Of course, the landing spot matters. If he, if he goes to a team, let's say early day three, and the team does not have a solidified starter where there's some question marks there, that that can move him up, you know, those, those rookie draft rankings, people might be willing to take a shot on him in a super flex league a little earlier than let's say he gets drafted, you know, by Philadelphia Mm -hmm. and now he's stuck Mm -hmm. behind Hertz. Well, that pretty much kills, kills his value there. So yeah, it's, it's all going to matter on the, you know, the pre-draft, you know, evaluations that, that come out once the season's over for me and then that draft capital, because there's always this huge, pile of quarterbacks that mm-hmm. that kind of well, fall year, into that tier yeah right i mean this is a huge year for quarterbacks so it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out but he's he plays at georgia he's gonna get on a national stage like if he keeps playing well and he's got a monster year and they and he leads them to a national championship i think he at least can get his name in the conversation um but yeah, if he's a day three guy, then yeah, you're looking for like an Aiden O'Connell path to, to relevance here, which he was just named the starter. They said they've benched Jimmy Garoppolo and Aiden O'Connell will be the starter for the rest of the season. So that's kind of the path if you're looking for a day three quarterback to return value. It's a pretty long shot, but. Yeah, and I like that you brought up, you know, the the fact that he's going to be playing late into the year because he's on a good team. They're trying to win their third straight title. I, I think there's a lot of value in evaluating players who you know, are in these major bowl games with, with really good competition. It's it's on the national stage where you have a chance to to just focus on on that game and and, and that player. Like like last year, you got to see a lot of CJ Stroud in, in that scenario, and mm-hmm. he looked the part against Georgia. I mean, really played well, very well could have could have led. Ohio state to that win. And that told me a lot about him. And you don't, you don't want to base too much of your analysis on one game, of course, but you know, when you're, when you're playing in a huge game against a great defense, that's just filled with NFL talent and you play really well, Mm -hmm. I think that says a lot. And and Beck will have that chance as well. You know, they're going to be in the, in the playoffs. So we get to see him once, probably twice. And I like that opportunity for him running backs. We've talked about, Marshawn Lloyd at USC looking really good. Any, any more to say there, or is it just one of those things where finally he's healthy, he's in a good system, and now he's showcasing the talent that we knew he had when he was coming out of high school? Yeah, and I think because it took so long, he's probably a little bit undervalued in Debbie circles. Like he he was left for dead in a lot of ways uh, because he was for years was was on the bench and then even was splitting touches last year with guys like Juju McDowell and, you know, whatever. But yeah, he looks way better than I've ever seen him look. And he just, just this week went for 
200 all-purpose yards and two touchdowns, 72 in the receiving game, 115-ish in the rushing game. So, yeah, I mean, he he's looking great. Seems like he's looking better every week. We thought it would be a timeshare, but he's completely taken that backfield all to himself, and it seems like every single week he puts up a big number in the box score. So I think he, at the end of the year when we're evaluating prospects, especially in a weaker running back class, I think he's going to put his name in the conversation for being a top five back in the class. Yeah, I think so too. He's got yeah, nice size. He's not tall, five nine, but you don't really need tall running backs. He's two fifteen mm-hmm. and he's got nice lateral movement and and breakaway potential. Hicks has him as a day two late pick. And you know, you mentioned a kind of a, a late bloomer because of the injuries and because of transferring you know, the fantasy football community is so much a, what have you done for me lately crowd? And that applies to probably the rest of the running backs that we're going to talk about. I put Quinchon Judkins on the list because it seemed like everybody was down on him at the beginning of the season. He had a a few games in there where he wasn't looking quite like we remembered him looking last year when everybody was high on him. And then now all of a sudden he's starting to kick out better games again and people are starting to to come around like, oh yeah, he is still a good running back. And mm-hmm. I think it is kind of funny how those those dips in valleys and and peaks can happen on the these players, especially a guy that that had such an outstanding freshman season like Judkins did last year. Sixteen hundred yards and sixteen touchdowns as a true freshman while sharing the backfield with Zach Evans. I don't think we fully appreciate the gravity of what he did as a three-star prospect. Like he didn't, was not handed anything. He had to come in there and earn his way onto the field. And yeah, he's done nothing but impress. I think there are some limitations in terms of, I think his hips are a little stiff in terms of his lateral movement. He's not got the make you miss in a phone booth as much in his game, but He's got really good contact balance. He's got great straightaway speed when he when he gets to the second level. And yeah, there's there's a lot that I really like about his game. So yeah, and the, there's two trains of thought here with Judkins. And I don't think either one of them is necessarily the right or the wrong way to go. So first thought is a guy comes out, has a fabulous freshman season. And if you either had him on your roster or you're able to acquire him, you know, let's say early in your Debbie draft, you know, the year after, because he wasn't taken as a, as a three-star prospect the year before Mm -hmm. you could very easily flip him immediately and get immediate value out of that. Right. He is at the beginning of the season. He was way up there on the Debbie running back rankings. The other way to go is to just wait it out and say, okay, He's, he didn't have the best September. Now that October's moving along, he's starting to play better. And just trust that what he did for pretty much his entire freshman season wasn't a fluke. And mm-hmm. it's not like he forgot how to play football. Mm-hmm. There might be something else going on that's causing him to have a few down games, but he, he's mm-hmm. the same player. So if you liked him before, you should like him now. And he's got a whole year and a half of college football left. So the odds are he's going to go back to playing like he did his freshman season, in my opinion, right. to just wait it out. I, th- I think both strategies are, are just fine. Yeah, and I, I think this is where it's so important to watch the tape and decide for yourself because 
it's a really important thing that most people miss is that college production does not necessarily translate to NFL draft capital and being a great NFL player. Like you can put up big, big numbers in college and not be considered a really serious NFL prospect, um, whether that be because of athletic limitations or whatever the case may be. And so, yeah, you need to look at a guy like a Quinshawn Judkins and say, okay, he was a three-star, but he broke out and he had this massive year, and now he's like flown up the rankings. Let me watch the tape for myself and see his strengths and weaknesses and see, do I see a great college player or do I see a future pro? And that's going to determine for you which of those two paths you take. Do I do I flip him for a profit or do I hold and think this guy's going to be a great player on my dynasty team one day? Yeah, absolutely. And and you there are traits that translate well and you just know it deep down that okay, if given the opportunity, this player is going to succeed. And of course, I'm talking about Jameer Gibbs at Detroit. Like we knew this <laughs> for years and we're waiting around in the first few games by Detroit. It's like, okay, guys, why would you spend a top 15 pick on a running back and then not give him the ball? Ta-da! They're giving him the ball. And funny, he's absolutely dominating performances all over the place. So yeah, that's that's where we're at. Watch the tape. A guy that I think every time he's healthy and his tape looks amazing, Travion Henderson, Ohio State. And he's back to looking explosive. Hicks talked about it on Monday's podcast. I'm assuming you're seeing the same things. Yeah, he he looked really good. Um, you, you could turn on the tape, and he just the juice is there in a way that if you watch a guy, and I and I don't mean to beat a dead horse here, but if you watch a guy like Braylon Allen or Raheem Sanders, you just don't see the same level of like explosion through the hole to the second level. Guys missing angles because he's he's got the acceleration. Like you just don't see that with other guys in this class the way that you see it with Travion Henderson. He's also got a really good receiving skill set. Uh, he caught a nice wheel route down the field in this one. Made some guys miss on the second level after catching a ball twenty yards down the field. Uh, and so yeah, I think it, the injury history is concerning at this point. So whether you subscribe to a guy being quote unquote injury prone or whether you think injuries are totally luck, you know, I, I think I get worried when it's like consistently knee injuries and, and there's wear and tear. And I think, you know, he might have a shortened NFL career because of the, the knee injuries. And so you have to worry about that with a guy like Marshawn Lloyd, for example. But I think some fluky stuff like an ankle or a tight hamstring or something like that doesn't stick as like, oh, long term, this guy's injury prone. That was just a couple couple streaks of bad luck. You've seen that with, you know, Christian McCaffrey. People say, oh, he's injury prone. He's injury prone because he had a couple of fluky things that led to him missing a chunk of two seasons, which is not good. But now it's like, okay, he's going on his second year completely fine, no no issues. Keenan Allen, same thing. Like he's had a few fluky years where he missed a lot of the year with injury, but he's had so many fully healthy seasons too. So I think that injury-prone label gets thrown around a little too loosely. And uh, if you're not – if it's not an in, in injury, in injury concern, then to me, Trey Henderson is the clear RB1 of this class. Yeah, and you guys – you know, guys like running backs, especially in the NFL, they're not necessarily injury prone. They're running backs in the NFL who are getting a lot of touches and they're taking a beating and that takes yeah. its toll. And eventually 
every mm-hmm. one of them gets hurt. Like literally every one of them. It, it, it's, it's only a matter of time if they keep getting the ball 15 to 20 times a game for 16, 17 games. It's like, mm-hmm. yep, they might last one, two, even three seasons, but eventually something weird's going to happen. They're mm-hmm. going to plant their foot and their Achilles will blow and the Minnesota Vikings season is over. Oh, wait, sorry. I completely went off the topic <laughs> there, but you know, it just, it just happens. And yeah, there's, there's nothing you can do, but that's why running backs are so difficult on your dynasty teams because man, you just never know where they're going to go. And typically wide receivers have a longer level of, of play as far as consistency and years and they don't get injured as much because they're not mm-hmm. getting handed the ball and taking a beating. And that's why, you know, a lot of, a lot of the analysts say, man, build your, build your super flex rosters around quarterbacks and wide receivers and just plug in running backs when you're ready to compete, because you can always go find guys to help your team be competitive. And I think this season, and there's probably the last couple of years is proving just that, you know, sure. McCaffrey is, you know, probably won some leagues last year. I had him on the one league I won. Mm-hmm. He's helping me win again this year. But think about all the great running backs that are not getting it done or dealing with injuries. And yeah, you know, it's just a well, problem. And I think you bring up an important important point is that they they do all get injured. But once a guy gets that label of injury prone, that stigma is hard to shake. And I think it can create buy opportunities for people. Like if if you say okay. Injuries are completely random. This guy is not any more injury prone than any other running back. The only reason that I can see that somebody would have Braylon Allen ahead of him right now is because they view Trey Henderson as injury prone. And I I think it goes beyond just Travion Henderson. I think there's tons of situations in Dynasty where a guy gets that injury prone stigma and it just can create a buy window. And the next year, I mean, like, look, if you bought – Christian McCaffrey two years ago on the injury prone discount. He's won you two championships now. So um, but it can definitely create buy windows if you're paying attention. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Last running back on the college side, another back that came in highly rated had explosive traits, but we're not seeing a lot of that Penn state's running back, Nick Singleton. How do you feel about him? Is he dropping in your rankings? He is. And, you know, I, I think how long of a leash do you give a guy with a five star pedigree and the freak athleticism before you start to say, okay, he's so expensive and he's such a highly rated Debbie asset. And it might just be that he's still living off of his high school recruiting pedigree. Uh, because, I mean, you look at some of key stats this year, and this is per Eric Froton on Twitter slash X, so credit where it's due. Uh, 15 missed tackles forced for Nick Hend- for Nick Singleton on 113 rush attempts. So that's a 13% rate. That's not very good. Uh, his season-long rush is a 20 yards, so not breaking off big chunk plays at frequent rate. Uh, only 4.1 yards per carry. For college, like that's abysmal. You expect right. like a future NFL running back to get like seven plus yards of carry in most cases in college. 2.84 yards after contact, which is 56th out of 70 running backs with 100 plus attempts. So he's near the bottom of the barrel in yards after contact. Really, like when I watch them, 
the guy that has like way less juice and so he's not taken seriously in Debbie circles is Catron Allen and he looks to me like a much more polished running back like he he's more patient he sees the holes better and the stats bear that out like he's a more efficient runner behind the same offensive line and about the same amount of touches Catron Allen is consistently more efficient with his touches than Nick Singleton is and so I think Nick Singleton is wildly overrated and yeah, he has the physical traits that you want. If they open him up a big hole, he's going to hit it. He's big and he's fast and, you know, but I think that there's a lot to be desired in terms of his technical skill as a running back to, to be patient and to see the holes and to follow his blocking schemes and put himself in the right position the nuance of his game right now, I think is just lacking in a pretty big way. Yeah. It's, it's possible that he got, got away with the superior athleticism in high school. And all he had to do was just, you know, run, run to the outside and outrun everybody or run up the gut. And again, you'll make one cut and he's gone. And that made him look just unstoppable. But like you said, the ability to, to find the right hole, to set up, the blocks to read the defense. I mean, there are, there are players in the NFL that, that fail at that. And then people are wondering why they're, they're not good. I mean, I, people, people tried to say on podcasts before the season, that Alexander Madison was going to be great with the Vikings. Cause now Delvin cook has gone. I'm like, you're not watching him. He's not a good running back. He, he cannot see a hole. He, he's great. If it's right in front of him, he can run straight. But as soon as you get him moving laterally play over, and it, you know, it, you measure his, I'm, I'm guessing you measure his three cone drill with a calendar and it's just, it's so frustrating to watch the Vikings continuously give him touches. And I'm sure, you know, maybe, maybe Singleton hasn't developed that yet. The good news is he's still in a second year. Yeah. He has time, a chance. Yeah. But yeah. It, it's concerning when you watch, watch even, the films. even today, I I'm in a, I'm in a Slack chat with some guys. We talk shop with dynasty and Debbie stuff all the time, which is really fun. And so somebody posted a, um, a Debbie mock without the 2024 class uh, with a bunch of us in that Slack chat. And Nick Singleton went one Oh three in that mock. So you like, I get he's got some time to fix some stuff and adjust, but that's really expensive for a guy that I've got some pretty big question marks about right now. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, really quick, because we're we're getting long on time. I'm going to save these next two wide receivers for next week. Mm-hmm. But I do want to ask you about one NFL player before we get to trades. Will Levis, awesome, <laughs> awesome first game. I mean, this came out of nowhere for me. What, yeah. what do you think? Is this a complete and total mirage or do we maybe have something here? So, you know, I was watching NFL red zone on Sunday. And so I, I saw, I didn't, it's not like I was sitting there intently watching the Tennessee Titans game. I saw when they would get in the red zone, I saw the touchdowns, like mostly I saw the highlights and I have not had time to go back and, you know, study through the all 22 or anything like that. Um, the arm talent was obvious, which we knew that about him as a prospect that shouldn't surprise anyone, but yeah, there was a lot of zip on some of those deep balls that he threw to Deandre Hopkins and clearly like he did something that no other Tennessee quarterback has been able to do this season. He, he looked like he transformed that offense. So I got to give credit where it's due. And I don't feel like I've studied it enough to really like pick it apart, but I, I think, 
I'm going to need to see more than one game from him. Like I was just so out on him as a prospect and it's really hard for me to believe that some of the mechanical issues that I saw, the the accuracy being erratic, the decision-making being really poor, not being able to read the defense. Like there were so many flaws I saw in his game as a, as a prospect, it's hard for me to believe that all of those are just gone because he sat behind Ryan Tannehill for five weeks or whatever. So I, I need to see more before I buy in on him. Yeah. I, I think other people are jumping on the train and I get why, but I'm going to slow play this one a little bit and, you know, maybe it bites me in the butt, but I'm not ready to go send the farm for, for Will Levis. Yeah, one one thing people need to remind themselves of is that DeAndre Hopkins has been and still is one of the best wide receivers at adjusting to the ball after it's thrown. He is so good either in a contested catch situation or like we saw deep passes where he can he can make a move and and get the ball even when it's not perfectly thrown and he's just always been a natural at it. He's so gifted mm-hmm. in that regard and that's that's going to help Levis. Now kudos to Levis. You have an asset like that. Throw him throw the ball. It up to I him. mean, yeah. don't be like, an idiot here. Don't, don't, keep it Ryan simple. Ryan Sandhill right? wasn't doing that. He wasn't pushing the ball down the field giving D-hop uh jump ball opportunities. You know, Malik Willis wasn't doing that. So yeah, credit where it's due. But it's yeah it's too early for me to, to jump on the hype train yet. And maybe that bites me in the butt, but we'll see. Yep. I hear you. All right. We will discuss some Devi and dynasty trades in just a minute, but first I want to ensure you know that the rookie big board is now partnered with underdog fantasy football. This is the best app for fantasy contests. You can play pick them contests for all sports and win three times your bet on a two for two or more. You can also do flex plays. I mean, there's just a ton of options there. And they give you free plays all of the time. They just pop it up on your push notification. It's it's fantastic. So be sure to check that out. You can join us by using the promo code RBB. It will get you a 100% match on your first deposit and help us grow. All right, let's get to the trade section. And we're going to keep doing this for a while because we both liked it. We got some positive feedback as well. First thing, I want to do a couple lessons on trading because I'm seeing a lot of this and people just need to, to, I think, figure some stuff out. One, if you're going to use your trade bait, do not click on all the players that are terrible and that you hate because (laughs) nobody cares. Nobody wants them. It's just, it's a waste of everyone's time. What you want to do is click on players that people are going to go, Ooh, he's available. Even if you're not necessarily wanting to trade them, you never know. You might get a ridiculous offer that you like. That's that's how you should use trade bait. Put put players that are actually players that people might want out there. I mean, I'm not saying it has to be, you know, top 10 dynasty assets. It can be, you know, Jerome Ford's coming off an injury and he now he's going to be the main back in Cleveland. I'm telling you, there, there's a probably a contending team in your league that needs a running back for the rest of the season, and Ford can be a great option. He's got a cake schedule at the end of the season, like right around fantasy playoffs. It's loaded with teams that stink when stopping the run. So Ford could be an awesome add for, for teams. I'm just using him as an example, but that's how you use trade bait. Put good players out there, not, mm-hmm. not garbage. And then secondly, when you're trying to trade for a good player, 
it takes good players to get good players. I learned that on Trade Addicts podcast. It's a simple thing, but you're not going to get a good player for garbage. And that's going to transition to, (laughs) I want to ask you, Matt, if you have Jonathan Taylor on a team that's really bad, 12-team Superflex, tight end premium, starting two tight ends, what are you looking for to to get rid of Jonathan Taylor? Because this is what I was offered. This was a couple weeks ago. 2-2 Atwell. Desmond Ritter, Donovan Edwards, running back at Michigan, who's, by the way, not having a good season. His stock is dropping with every single game. And two fourth-round picks, and this is a combined rookie-slash-Devy draft, and it's the second year of the league, and you can it's a max of 36 Devy every year. Roast him, man. Say who it was. That's a that's a terrible <laughs> offer. No, nah, I, I don't remember, honestly. I know. I, but, know, I, know. I know you're not going to do that, but... He would deserve it because that's a terrible offer. Yeah, Whoever it, you are, if you're listening, you should be ashamed of yourself. Well, don't. And here's the here's the point I'm trying to make. <laughs> if you want a player like John and the Taylor, you have to come with something good. Like if the mm-hmm. best asset on the in the NFL in your trade is Tutu Atwell, then then the the Devi and the draft pick side has to be loaded. Like we're talking first round pick and a really high Debbie asset, like not, you know, Will Shipley. We're talking way up there, like a top wide receiver. You know, Malik neighbors is, is a guy potentially, or Marvin Harrison would be too much. Right. I I probably would have snap snap accepted that one, but it's gotta be a really, really good player because you're giving up a proven running back who just signed an extension on a team with a historically a pretty good offensive line. I mean, he's already, had stud seasons he's it gets healthy and he's back i mean he could be a top five running back you know in dynasty it's like don't don't do that so just want to throw that out there i i'm i would be looking for like a young you know a young wide receiver like a you know olave garrett wilson you know Mm -hmm. puka nakua somebody in that range there that tier to even consider, you know, and then, you know, maybe a, a decent pick or two, but yeah. anyway, wonderful. I'm with you, man. I, you can't get something for nothing. There's a lot of people in dynasty that want to get something for nothing. And it's like, oh, Hey, I want to add this person. Well, what are you going to give back? Oh, well, I can't really give this person up because I kind of need him in my lineup and I can't really give up this pick. Cause I'm afraid that it might be a high pick if things go South and, it's like, okay, so basically you want this guy, but you're not willing to offer anything of actual value. Okay, we're not getting anywhere on this. It's like, like a trade has to make both sides better, or both sides have to at least feel like it's making them better or helping them accomplish some kind of goal, right? So if you're, you know, if they're rebuilding and you're contending, that's where you get the most deals done because you have opposite goals. And so you can both help each other reach your goals. Or, you know, if you're, if you want a wide receiver and they want a running back and you're strong at running back and they're strong at wide receiver, like that's how you get deals done. You have to be willing to part with good players to help make your team better overall and help you accomplish your goals or really good draft picks. Got to be willing to give up draft picks, like give up a first round. If you're contending and you really want a piece, you got to be willing to part with your first round pick. Uh, And maybe a young guy that's not producing yet. Like, okay, you're contending and you've got Jackson Smith and Jigba sitting on your roster and he's not doing anything. Now, maybe that's not a good example because he's got two touchdowns 
two straight weeks now. But, you know, you hear what I'm saying? Like you got a young guy that you really feel strongly about, but he's not producing yet. And you need a piece to go win right now. You got to be willing to put that young guy out there. Um, And if if you're not like, you're not going to get a deal done because you can't expect to get something for nothing. Yeah. And if, and if I'm giving up, you know, if I'm giving up a first round pick, typically my rule is the guy that I'm getting back, it can't be just for this season. It needs to Mm -hmm. be a dynasty trade. Like, okay, I'm, I'm at least getting a guy that I think is going to help me for two to three years because otherwise I, I don't like to do that. I'm I'm cautious about that that move because those first round picks they do nothing but increase in value between now and the draft. So I, I and that I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm just saying I, that's how I do it. It's like no, I need to be getting a player back that you know at least I think is going to help me for for two three. And seasons. that one year rental could you know could get hurt or you know you get into the first round of the playoffs and he has a terrible week and now you're out and you gave away a first round pick just to get bounced in the first round. And yep. I and did that do. once and it was, it was a second round pick. So I felt okay about it. But like right before the trade deadline, I sent a second round pick for Cordero Patterson the year that like his one year wonder year where he was like a top five running back that season. And the first week of the playoffs, he put up like three fantasy points and I got bounced and I'm like, dang it. Like I sent a second round pick for this guy he put up a dud and now I'm out a second round pick. I know he's going to be irrelevant next year because he's 33 or whatever he was. You know, it's just like it, it ended up being a terrible trade for me, but that's the risk that you take sometimes. But definitely with a first round pick, you're right. Like you want to have at least a reasonable hope that next year they'll still be good. Yeah. And, and also, you want to make sure that the players that you're getting or the player you're getting is going to make enough of a difference in your lineup because a lot of times when you actually look at the points per game, you're maybe improving your lineup by five, six, seven points. And if you look, how many times does that really matter? So that that's something you want to think about too. Just be cautious there. All right, really quick. Let's get through a couple here. A dynasty 12 team Superflex half point PPR, half point tight end premium add-on. Devonta Smith and Kyle Pitts on one side, Puka Nakua and Dalton Kincaid on the other. Now, this was before at least Dalton Kincaid's second big game. It might've been after his first. I don't know mm-hmm. the timing on this because this has been here for about a week and a half. So it, it might've been after his one breakout game, but now he's had two very good ones in a row. Where do you stand on this one? I probably lean towards the Puka side of it. Um, maybe that's just cause I'm just so done with Kyle Pitts. Like I'm right. I'm tired of the excuses. He's, he's, like at some point the guys just got to put up fantasy points because I can't feel good about putting him in my starting lineup. And Devonte is a player that I love, but you know, again, like he he's put up even a, a number of dud weeks this year because it's just not enough footballs to go around in that offense, and so it's 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 extremely volatile up and down. Whereas Puka, you can plug him in your lineup every single week, and you know he's going to get you fifteen plus fantasy points pretty much every week. And I'm maybe not in half PPR, I don't know, but. I don't usually play half PPR, so hard to say. And then Kincaid, he looks great. Like I, I would take Kincaid over Kyle Pitts straight up in Dynasty. So to me, the receivers are not different enough uh, in value. I mean, they're both probably up there near my top twelve Dynasty wide receivers. So yeah, I, I'd lean towards the Puka side. I like the tight end that you're getting better on that side of the deal, and I think Puka, you're going to feel better about putting in your lineup week after week, at least for this season. So, yep, I'm, I'm Puka side too. And it's funny how as soon as, 
as soon as Knox got hurt in Buffalo, all of a sudden they they changed. They started going with one tight end formation, and now Kincaid's doing exactly what we thought he might do in that offense. It's like, okay, guys, why mm-hmm. why did it take this long? Of course, it's not taking them as long as long as it took Atlanta, or, or as long as it's taking Atlanta to figure out that if they're not going to throw the ball to Kyle Pitts a lot, there's no sense in drafting him in top five. All right, I'm going to skip over to the last one because it's faster, and then we got to get out of here really quick. It's Godwin or Josh Downs. Josh Downs starting to look pretty good freshman wide or rookie wide receiver Godwin still a good player. Yeah. Where do you, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, I really love Josh Downs have, have really enjoyed him as a prospect um, throughout the process. In fact, pre-draft, he was my wide receiver three. Um, he dropped a little bit when he fell to the third round. Um, but, you know, I, I had it as JSN and then Addison and then, I don't know. JSN Flowers, then Downs, then Addison is how I had it. So Downs was my was my wide receiver three. Um, with that being said, Godwin has been such a consistent fantasy producer for so long, but he's not really doing that great this year, and he's so much older. I think I would take the downside of that which feels crazy to me. Like my initial knee jerk was like, oh, I would need a plus on top of downs for Godwin just because of the name value. But when I actually like look at it, I'm like, oh, downs is having a better season right now this year. He's producing more fantasy points than Chris Godwin is. And he's six years younger. So, and, and I like him as a player. I don't think it's a fluke that he's been producing these last few weeks. He seems to be trending up. And Godwin seems to be trending down a little bit as Baker has kind of fallen in love with with Mike Evans and funneling a bunch of targets this way. Like Chris Godwin is not even a wide receiver three this year. I just looked; he's the PPR wide receiver thirty eight at this point on the season. So I think that's a long winded saying a way of saying it, it. It feels gross to me, but I think I'd rather have Downs. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting it's an interesting one because like like you said that the stats are aren't that different, right? I mean, there's Mm -hmm. not, there's not this massive difference between performance, but there is a massive difference in age. And I I'm only presuming that the team that traded downs is that contending team looking to add a piece, but they didn't change how many points they're going to score per game based on what we've seen so far. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, they, they, they got older now, of course, Godwin can can turn things around. I mean, he's not thirty; he's only twenty seven. Right. Turns twenty eight in in February, but yeah, I mean, he's getting you like five six catches a game, fifty to seventy yards, and a touchdown every once in a while. But right, mm-hmm. you're not you're not adding, you know that that top tier, you know, a, a wide receiver one to to really bolster your lineup. So it it's an odd play, and I think for the team, you know, that's trading Godwin, they're probably looking to to rebuild. Yeah. You got a good young rookie wide receiver in downs. I think that's a, that's a nice move. I might have to go make that offer in places where I have Godwin. Cause even the, the name, the sticker value for me, like when I, when you first put this on the show sheet, I was like Godwin. And then I actually looked into it and I was like, Oh, like I think I would take downs. So I think you could sticker shock some people and just send them that offer and they would see it and they would smash the Godwin side. And you just kind of chuckle a little bit. <laughs> you or, know? or honestly, if that's true, then you, you need to ask for downs plus. Like, 
give me downs and you know a a third round pick something added on right because that's Mm -hmm. that's really what you're what you should be shooting for there all right everyone we are out of time so thank you so much thank you for listening we appreciate the feedback that we've gotten and again we'll we'll try to speed things up at the beginning next week so we can do more trades i think that's a real valuable part of the podcast so once again thanks for listening you have not already do us a favor and leave a five-star review on whichever podcast app you are using make sure you're subscribed so you never miss any of the rbb action for matt i am skip we will talk to you next week enjoy the weekend of football everyone later